Hello and welcome to the Zurich Life podcast. My name is Jacqueline and I'm joined today by our Head of Investment Solutions at Zurich, Ian Slattery. This investment podcast does not constitute an offer and should not be taken as a recommendation from Zurich Life. Advice should always be sought from an appropriately qualified professional. Today we're going to speak about market events over the month of November 2022, how this has affected different asset classes and what this might mean for investors. We will also talk about Zurich Investments outlook in the short term and our recent positioning in relation to the Zurich funds. This month we will take a closer look at the different equity sectors and in particular value stocks and growth stocks. Good morning Ian. Good morning Jacqueline. Equities enjoyed a positive November, marking back-to-back monthly gains for the first time in 2022. Can you talk us through some of the key market events that occurred over the month of November and the effects that those events have had on markets and on different asset classes within the market? Yes, so markets were buoyed by a growing consensus that inflation has in fact peaked in the US and this will subsequently lead to what would be known as a more dovish approach from the Federal Reserve. Uh, for example, the latest readings uh, for headline inflation in the US saw a fall from 8.2% to 7.7%, and the core figure also registered a drop. A remark to the Brookings Institute by Fed Chair Jerome Powell on the last day of November also helped to reinforce the Dovish rhetoric. Uh, however, wider economic data throughout the month further illustrated the risks to the global economy and the continued probability of recession in some developed markets, including here in the Eurozone. Uh, flash eating indicators, such as purchasing manager indicators, did stabilise in Europe November, but higher interest rates are still forecast from both the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank in December. Within the US, the key two-year versus 10-year Treasury yield curve also remains at its most inverted since the early 1980s, and many commentators take this as a key recession indicator. European energy prices have stabilised due to a combination of milder than expected weather in general, as well as a coordinated policy response. And the more dovish sentiment from the Fed, along with the more positive sentiment generally, have seen the US dollar weaken against the euro, which is a reversal from the general trend seen in 2022. Staying within equities for now, what were the best and worst performing markets and sectors over the month of November? So as mentioned above, world equities were up again uh, last month and returned 2.7% for November in euro terms. The best performing market last month was Hong Kong, which returned just over 18% in euro terms. And this came on the back of a prospective loosening of China's strict zero COVID policy. Uh, Chinese officials appear to be making more concessions uh, to the general public in the face of rising COVID cases, and such a policy move would stimulate growth in the region. More positive sentiment in November was present um, in US equities as well, uh, and that was largely driven by the aforementioned lower inflation data. On a sectoral basis, only two US equity sectors were made losses. Uh, energy and consumer discretionary lost 2.9% and 3.2% respectively in euro terms. In relation to the best performing sector uh, within the US, that was materials that gained just over 7% across the month of November in euro terms. Bond yields moved lower in November. Can you talk to us about how bonds performed over the month? Yeah, so November saw something of recovery for fixed income markets as yields followed inflation expectations lower. Uh, Eurozone bonds made gains in October. Uh, For example, the over five-year euro government bond index, which we look at quite closely, returned 3.8%. Uh, This came as Eurozone inflation came in at 10% in November, which was the first reduction seen in 17 months. Uh, In the US, the benchmark 10-year bond yield finished the month at 3.61%, which was a significant reduction from the end of October figure, which stood at 4.05%. 
Uh, dovish comments from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, along with indications that the US economy appeared to be slowing, has led to, to rising levels of optimism in relation to interest rate policy. Uh, US employment, however, does remain tight, uh, with the November reading coming in higher than expectations. So therefore, bond markets remain somewhat tentative as they await the forthcoming central bank policy announcements throughout the month of December. How have commodities and currencies performed through the month of November? Uh, so commodities overall saw uh, negative returns throughout the month of November, and that was led by lower oil and soft commodity or agricultural prices. West Texas intermediate crude oil lost 6.7%, while soft commodities lost 4.2% in euro terms. Uh, metals performed a good bit better, with copper returning just short of 7% and gold just short of 3%. Oil prices, of course, have been volatile throughout 2022, um, and uncertainty does remain in relation to global supply and the effects that a global economic slowdown might have on demand. Therefore, some of the gains that we've seen uh, early in 2022 have been eroded uh, throughout the autumn and winter. Uh, the broad advances in equities and bonds um, has resulted in a reversal uh, of the trend of dollar strength seen this year. So, for example, the euro US dollar exchange rate finished the month with the euro buying you one US dollar and four cents. Uh, just for, for a bit of reference, uh, the past two months, September and October, had seen the euro below parity with the US dollar. In light of everything that we've discussed here today, have Zurich Investments made any significant changes to their asset allocation positions and on a geographical and sector basis? So across our multi-asset funds, uh, a bias towards equities is retained. Uh, sentiment for markets has improved, but it does re remain below historical averages, which represents a positive contrarian indicator. Uh, I suppose whilst much, much has been made of seasonal trends, uh, it is our view that inflation readings and central bank policy announcements are far, far more likely to dictate the direction of markets between now and the end of 2022. Uh, in relation to geographical and sector uh, allocations, they remain broadly intact versus previous months as well within our equity books. But within our fixed income or sovereign bond allocations, we are currently more neutrally positioned than we have been for some time. Uh, I think it's fair to say that both the Fed and the ECB must undertake a difficult balancing acts in relation to the paths of monetary policy and interest rates. But as previously stated, the move higher in yields uh, for sovereign bonds this year does make the entry point into bond markets more attractive for people investing now for the first time. Uh, within credit or corporate bond portfolios, we remain more defensively positioned and continue to look for more stable companies with strong balance sheets at this time, as credit risk remains a key focus for us. In relation to currency markets, we do maintain a partial currency hedge on US dollar denominated assets, which will help reduce losses if the dollar weakens further from this point versus the euro. A trend that many people have talked about in recent years is this concept of growth versus value stocks in equity markets. There are a number of different sectors within equity markets, but most of these sectors can be categorized under value stocks or growth stocks. Let's talk about the fundamental differences between these two classic approaches. What types of sectors can be categorized as growth stocks and value stocks? Yeah, so there's often debates in financial markets about what style of investing or what type of company is popular or in vogue at certain times. And one of those most common conversations or debates is this idea of growth versus value. So it can be hard to categorize companies into such broad buckets, but generally speaking, with a growth company, you're looking at their future potential that they may improve their market share or they might have new products that might dominate a certain industry. So fundamentally, you're looking to the future and hoping that they will grow, hence the name. With value stocks, you think they are attractive or offer good value today. 
So these can be somewhat less exciting companies, but ones that are earning revenues and profit today and that the market finds slightly out of favor. So in summary, growth companies may not even be profitable currently and rarely offer attractive dividends, but your expectation is that those things will come in the future. For value companies, they tend to be well-established, have positive earnings today, and often, although not always, have a decent dividend yield. Does history tell us about what types of market conditions favour one style over the other? Yeah, so there's, there's plenty of academic research investigating this sort of question, um, along with, with similar topics such as whether big companies will outperform small ones or what region or geography has, has outperformed historically. So over the last 100 years, value stocks have outperformed growth stocks. However, so far this century, since the year 2000, growth stocks have outperformed value stocks. So it, 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 your, your timeline and your entry point are really, really important. So that, of course, is a simplistic view. So there are so many other variables at play, including the currency you're investing in, your, your time horizon, your, your risk level, uh, where we are in the economic cycle. Uh, in relation to the direct question about market conditions, um, for example, a lot of energy companies would be considered value stocks. So when we see a period of rising commodity prices, you would tend to see value do better because of that, that energy company bias. Another big consideration is the interest rate cycle. So I mentioned earlier that growth investors in general are looking to, for future profits, whilst value investors are looking for what might be available today. Therefore, the level of interest rates, which directly impacts your deposit or your risk-free rate, will have an influence on how attractive you find profits in the future versus profits available today. So negative v positive interest rate environments and what level those positive uh, interest rates are at are very, very important factors to consider if you're going down the route of, of growth v value. Is there a benefit of choosing one style over another? Yeah, so, so as mentioned above, history does show that there are benefits to holding one style over another at certain times. Um, however, trends can persist for a long time. And if someone's going to stick to just simply investing as a growth investor or, or a value investor, a, a good deal of patience is required. So the, the stock market is, is a fairly complex place. So simply dividing it in half and having only the options to be either growth or value is, is perhaps too simplistic a view. So I think as well, history and the academic evidence does show us that switching between individual stocks or geographies or investment styles has proven very, very hard for individual investors to get right. So overall, there are at times there can be a benefit over one over the other. But our general consensus or the general view from Zurich would be it's it's very, very hard for, for individual investors to, to get those calls right. As an active manager, what approach do Zurich investments take when positioning themselves across the different sectors? Uh, I suppose the, the, the short answer is we would view ourselves as style or sector agnostic. Uh, and what that means is we don't dogmatically conform to one style over another. Uh, for us, where we are in the economic cycle is a key input into our investment management philosophy, and we stick to our active top-down investment process, which helps guide us through our asset allocation and security selection decisions. So therefore, at times, that may lead us to invest in companies that could be classed as either value or growth. But as always, maintaining an active, flexible approach here at Zurich is to the forefront of our minds. That brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Thank you, Ian, for joining me today. Thank you also to our listeners. We hope you found this investment update insightful. As always, for more information on our fund range and to catch up on our latest investment news, visit Zurich.ie. Past performance is not a reliable guide to future performance. Benefits may be affected by changes in currency exchange rates. The value of your investment may go down as well as up. If you invest in these funds, you may lose some or all of the money you invest. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.